the title of my message this morning is Managing the Fire. Managing the Fire. Now, where I got that uh, message from, in Numbers chapter 6 and 9, you see that God gave very specific instructions about burnt sacrifices. He says this, I am going to send the fire. I'm going to send it from heaven. He's going to send a bolt of lightning. I mean, and then there's going to be fire. But once I light the fire, it is your responsibility to keep it burning. If you have a desire to be closer to God, if you have a desire to walk with Him and talk with Him, if you have a desire to be more righteous than you are right now, you would not have that desire if the Lord didn't send a bolt of lightning to your heart. You would not have that desire. Not everybody has that desire. Not everybody craves more of God. Not everybody wants more of God. If you think about him several times throughout the day, you need to know this. That's normal for you. But that's not normal for everybody else. If he crosses your mind several times a day, you have to know this. Not everybody does that. That is unique. Because it's normal for you, don't think it's normal for everyone else. And if you ever get frustrated in your heart that you're not as righteous as you wish you were, I just want you to know two things. Number one, that hunger that you have, God put that hunger in you. That's His way of drawing you to Himself. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, He says this, Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Don't let yourself get frustrated with yourself. If you are not as holy and as righteous as you wish you were, celebrate the fact that you even want that. And know this, that the Lord will cause you to be more righteous every day as you live with Him. He will cause you. He doesn't love you because you are righteous. He will make you righteous because He loves you. Do you understand? Everyone say yes. And so it's very important that this passion that you have, you recognize that that God put that passion in you. That is His way of inviting you to Himself. But it is your responsibility to keep that passion burning. If you do not take a proactive approach on keeping that fire burning, you will become like many of the people that you know. People who used to be on fire and now they can take it or leave it. God starts the fire. We are responsible For keeping it burning. Everyone say I got it. There's a guy named Stephen. 
You can read about him in Acts chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. There's a guy by the name of Stephen. He was passionate about the things of God. He wasn't one of the twelve. He wasn't one of the disciples that Jesus chose. But he was passionate about the things of God. And so what he would do is he would just hang out around the twelve. He would hang out in the crowd and he would get himself in position and he would just fellowship with them and be around them. See, it's up to you on how involved you are with the presence of God. It's up to you. And so he would get around them and uh, and then all of a sudden there was this debate on whether or not Greek-speaking widows were being as well taken care of as Hebrew-speaking widows. And so they picked out seven people to take care of these widows. And so they picked Stephen. Now Stephen was around between 25 and 29 years old at the time. And so when you look at a 25-year-old or a 29-year-old and say, okay, we're going to pick you. We're Peter, James, and John, one of the 12. We're going to pick you. All right, what are we going to do? Am I going to preach? What am I going to do? They said, no, you're going to take care of the widows. And he said, I'm in. And he jumped in. See, sometimes we get so picky about what we will and what we won't do that we miss the opportunities of what God wants us to do. Uh, you got to get in it. If, if, you, if you ever want to be fluent with the gifts, you've got to be submerged in the Holy Spirit. You got to be submerged. You, you can't just all of a sudden wake up one morning and be fluent. You can't just wake up one morning and and all of a sudden you can hear God perfectly. You, it just doesn't happen like that. My um, my brother Nathan um, went to Mexico while he was in college. He was going to U- University of Houston. He went to Mexico for three months for a credit. He didn't know how to say queso when he left. When he came home, he was fluent in Spanish, telling jokes in Spanish, laughing, cutting up in Spanish. He didn't memorize 12 words so he could order, you know, fajitas at a Mexican restaurant in Spanish. No, he, he was fluent, but he had to be immersed, emerged. Spanish immersion was the class. He was in a situation where he couldn't take a taxi without figuring it out in Spanish. He couldn't order a meal without figuring it out. He stayed with a family that did not know any English. Complete submersion. Now I have taken Spanish lessons 79 times. I know four words in Spanish, and I can't even think about them right now. Four. What's the difference? I have not emerged myself. It's something that I'm interested in. It's something that I really, really want to do. I covet it when I see people who are bilingual. I wish it was me, but I don't want it bad enough to go immerse myself. Are you with me? Say yes. Are you with me? Say yes. I might not have a better point than that. So you just need to like that one. 
There are, are people that have spoken into my life on this. But, but no scripture, and I'm going to play some videos in a minute, but for those of you that want this immersion, you need cornerstones in your life. And there's, there's four people who have, have spoken into my life uh, that have shaped it. And rather than memorizing what they have said and, and, and then regurgitating it to you, I'm going to let you get it from the source. Um, I, I'm, I have the privilege and honor of being mentored by this guy named Dr. Randy Clark. And, and he has me watch these videos all the time. And, uh, just to, to sharpen me and, and encourage me. And I'm gonna play them for you. The first video is a guy by the name of Bill Johnson. The second one is someone by the name of Heidi, um, Baker. Thank you. Um, Heidi Baker. The third one is from Dr. Randy himself. And the fourth one, um, who is it? Henry Madavo, the largest church in the Ukraine. Not largest Christian church, largest church in the Ukraine. Um, go ahead and, and, and play the first one. This one's from Bill Johnson. I mean, that has to be divinely orchestrated. It was frustrating because I had no evidence for what I believed. I had no fruit. I had no... You know, I believed in healing, so I'd teach this, but nothing happened. And it's not the doctrine itself, obviously. And um, and so what happened is I, I went to this conference. I came home with a conviction that um, I, I was obligated to seek fruit for what I believed. It was not okay for me just to have good theology and even go through the motions of praying. Because what would happen is I'd... I'd read something, I'd get really encouraged, we'd pray for people really faithfully for a while. Never saw anything happen, but we still did it for a while. And then, you know, you just look back off, and then pretty soon I'm not praying for anybody unless they ask for it. Then, of course, I would. And uh, and then I'd read something else, or I'd get stirred up out of the Gospels, and I'd go after it again, but still nothing happened. But when I came back from the Wimber Conference, I knew it was not an option. I, I couldn't back off ever again. It had to become, it had to become a part of who we were, and um, I, there were still seasons of up and down. But, but I, I realized that I was obligated to require fruit for what I believed. It's a hard thing to teach anybody about because I, it's hard to describe what goes on inside of you. But there's almost like this. Wait a minute, I don't have to settle for fruitlessness. And so you cry out to God in private and you take risk in public. And that was it. My first miracle was in a store. I went into this store as a friend of mine. He wasn't a believer, but he's a good friend. We did business through the years and really liked him. And so I just went by to see him. And there's a store was full of people. And he said, he said, Bill, he's like in his 40s. He said, I'm going to have to retire. He says, arthritis, I've got it so bad. He said, I can't use my tools. I can't take boxes off the shelves. And there's so many people around. Remember, now I've never seen anything happen before, so I wasn't real courageous. But I, but I did have that conviction in me because I had just gotten back from Wimber's deal, fairly recent. And so I came back. I came back by the next day, and there's nobody there. I was really thankful, and he brought it up again. So I, it was like God was helping, shoving me over the edge, you know. 
And he brought it up again. And I said, I said, Dave, I said, I believe God wants to heal you. Could I pray for you? And he said, sure. I said, why don't you sit down? So I didn't know what to do. So I just put my hand on his elbows and his hands and, and just best I knew how. I just asked God to heal him. I rebuked arthritis and, and he started moving around. And the guy was absolutely stunningly healed. Stunning. I was shocked. He was shocked. And uh, I mean, to this day, he will, if I see him, he, he's, I have friends, you know, these talk has been since 1987. So this has been quite a few years, 23 years now. Um, friends that he'll talk to even to this day and, and he'll talk about that day where, where Jesus, he thought I was a great healer. Well, I came back to visit him some weeks later. I said, how you doing? He says, he says, says you're a great healer. So I, I, it's, it's, you can't expect the world to have good theology when we're messed up as much as we are anyway. So I let him talk and I said, David, thank you so much. I know that you're trying to encourage me and compliment me and I really appreciate it. I said, but what happened is the Holy Spirit gives these gifts that Jesus has. And he let me deliver one to you. And it was really because Jesus walked into the room. And so the next time I saw him, I walk in, he said, Bill, you're, and he stopped, he said, I was visited by Jesus. So that was, it was a real breakthrough, a moment for us, because I saw it could happen. And right after that, we just started seeing stuff happen. I mean, that has to be divinely orchestrated. Isn't that cool? Um, there's so many takeaways there. Um, but I just want to give you two that jump out at me. The first one, and you've probably heard me say it over and over and over again, but the first time I ever heard it, I heard it from Bill Johnson. If the miraculous is something that you can no longer ignore, then, and you recognize that you're supposed to partner with the Lord on that. We cry out in private and take risks in public. That's the first takeaway. Second takeaway is this. Um, he was going for healing and miracles over and over and over again, and nothing was happening. And then he went to a John Wimber conference up in Toronto. And it's not like something just clicked. But he made the decision that he wasn't ever going to change the subject again. See, it doesn't matter how you slice it or dice it. What affects a person's trajectory are the people and places that he surrounds himself with. There's no slicing it or dicing it. Now you can get a divine impartation from God, which we will cover. But even still, people in places will always determine your trajectory 100% of the time. Let me play a, another video. This one is uh, from Heidi Baker. Uh, take a look at this. And what are some of the things that uh, cause you to, to, to grow? And maybe you could even tell us kind of well, this is how it got started and the major breakthroughs in this area pertaining to healing. Just personally, what I do is I spend a lot of time soaking. Uh, I just spend time in the presence. I, I need that. I, I need time walking and praying, soaking and praying, just waiting in the glory realm, um, in time in worship where I'm just in the, whoa, in the realms where I just, 
um, staying in love. I, I want to be in love. I want to be more and more in love. And, and I don't want to trade power for love. I don't want to trade success for love. I don't want to trade anything for love. I don't want to trade healing for love. Uh, I, I just stay in the presence. And I can feel if I haven't had enough time in the secret place, then things just don't feel right. It's just, I have to have him first. It has to be him first. Whoa, it has to be him first and middle and always. So I hear the Father as I spend time with the Father. There are no shortcuts. You can't just get zapped in Toronto or zapped in uh, Pensacola or zapped somewhere in Mozambique and and then say, well, that's it. I'm just hearing perfectly from now on. Um, it's a it's a daily process. Some people in this generation, I believe, are afraid of the word discipline, but there are spiritual disciplines where where there's fasting, where there's praying, where there's there's contending, where there's intercession. All right, so I hope that that if if there there's so many nuggets that's going to be that these people are going to say. Um, my mother and the Lord used to tell me the years will teach what the days never will, and so these these patriarchs, these soldiers in the faith, um, they've got so many nuggets. But I'm just going to try to pull one out each time. Notice that Heidi Baker said that. You don't just go somewhere and get zapped and then all of a sudden you hear from God perfectly. I, I don't know how you were raised, but I have always imagined that men and women of God that prophesy and move in miracles and move in healings, that those people, God just touched them and zapped them in some miraculous way and they were never again the same again. I can't find many examples where that took place. Uh, I mean, I can go to scripture and, 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 and pull at one, maybe two, but I don't know what else was going around their life. I mean, even the most talked about people in the Bible, you're only getting glimpses of their life. You're getting snapshots of their life. I'm just going to tell you that it is a matter of discipline and persistence and not changing the subject. There are so many people, they are passionate about the things of God and they get distracted that fast. That fast they get distracted and they find a better, uh, a, a, a more um, holy or a more righteous calling and they get distracted. And it's like, man, what happened to that guy? Well, he got a better idea. What happened to that girl? She got a, she's on to something else. And, and it, it won't be shifting your attention from, from God to evil. It'll be shifting your attention from God to something good. Do you guys hear me? It'll be shifting from God to something good. It's just not God's plan. Spurgeon said this. He said, discernment is not trying to figure out the difference between good and evil. It's the difference between trying to figure out good and almost good. Is that how it goes, Sarah? It's not good. It's right. 
Yeah, it's right. It's right. It's almost right. Uh, take a look at uh, Dr. Randy. Um, watch this. I'm curious about um, the metal. Um, as I understand it, none of none of the times were words of knowledge. Not, not, I've never had a word of knowledge from okay, metal okay. to this day. All right. So oh, then, I take that back. Yesterday, it it was a word of knowledge. I didn't even know it. Okay. Okay. You know the story we heard tonight. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm not yeah, yeah. giving words of knowledge by now. Yeah. I've said just by uh, the faithfulness. Explain that. Explain okay. that because that's a big deal. Because if you're accustomed to ministering out of words of knowledge and you start shifting to another realm, what is it? Okay. Once I began to see, every time I said God is going to help people with metal, except the first time, He did. Yes. So as I'm watching this, the consistency, the faithfulness, it happening all the time, my faith is rising to where I realize I have faith for this. I mean, yeah. it's not based on a word. The word of knowledge creates faith. But the faithfulness of God and seeing it happen so much has created faith that I really don't need a word of knowledge to believe if I'll just say God's going to heal metal. Right. I have to confess, though, that there's a little bit of, you know, uh, there's warfare over this. And there's a little bit where the enemy say, you know, you may become presumptuous. But I know that's not the Lord. Yeah. And so yeah. I have to face that. But... Because I really say, no, God has been faithful. If I'm going to say it, even sometimes it's a battle of my mind yeah. before, I sure. go for it. But it's not because of word knowledge, it's because of the faithfulness of God. I yeah. have yeah. a faith for this. And I, I actually could say, if I would say that and nobody got healed of metal, I'd be shocked. Put a little background into this. Um, that's Dr. Randy right there. Every single meeting he goes to, people get healed of metal in their body. Um, and so if they have metal like a, a plate in their wrist or, or there's a plate in their leg or plate in their back, every single meeting that anointing happens and they're able to move. Now what he's saying there is typically when people get healed in his meetings, He's used to it happening with the word of knowledge. But once you've seen it so many times, your faith just goes up. Um, let me play. Uh, and so I want to say that to say this. I want to challenge you not to, to stand around and wait for the perfect scenario before you're used by God. You, you have to get this in your head. That God wants to use you every single day. Every day he wants to use you. Every day he wants to use you. And, and I've got a, a friend of mine who's a pastor. He, he quit being a pastor to become a health coach. And he's like, I'm helping people. And I'm like, all businesses help people. That's why they exist. But what are, what are you called to do? I'm helping people. You realize God doesn't want you helping people. He wants you doing what he has called you to do. He wants to flow through you and help people to make money on the side. Are you with me? Say yes. All right. Uh, this is the last video. This is uh, really, really powerful. Check this out. And then the other impact that ha that happened, something that happened to me, actually it was something the Lord taught me. 
I was in a meeting, uh, some well-known evangelist, and he was going to pray for the pastors, for ministers and pastors. And I was sitting there waiting for this. Uh, I'd been fasting maybe for five days. So I thought when he prays for me, the impartation should be so big, great on me. But I was sitting beside some people. I guess they were on a honeymoon or something. It was a husband and wife. And so when this evangelist said, come forward, I'll pray for you. These guys were hugging one another and they wouldn't let me pass through. So I got very angry. <laughs> and so I, I couldn't. And by the time they were able to let me go, there was no space. Everybody, the, the whole platform was full of people. And so I thought I'd missed my, I mean, this is what I came for. And I missed it. So I was kind of angry, forgiving, and I was telling these guys I love you, and they didn't know why I loved them. They didn't know I was angry. But I left that meeting. I wasn't very happy. I came to my hotel room, and the Lord came to my room. It was a, a sense of heaviness in the room with an extra brightness that I'd never seen before. And I heard this whisper, why are you angry? And I said, Lord, I came for this anointing, and now I'm going back without it. And the Lord asked me, what did you come for? I said, Lord, I came for your anointing so that this brother can lay hands on me so I can get your anointing. And he's not laying hands on me, and so I didn't get your anointing, and so I'm going without an anointing. And the Lord asked me for the third time, and that's when I began to say it very slowly. But I wanted him to lay hands on me so that your anointing, and that's when I got a revelation that the anointing belongs to God. That if, if I find somebody to pray for me, praise God. If I don't, the anointing belongs to God. And that's when the Lord taught me that I can anoint you if you walk with me. If you be faithful, I will anoint you. And if somebody prays for you, that's good. If nobody prays for you, don't worry. I will anoint you as long as you walk with me. And that was a great revelation because before that, I only thought the only way for me to be anointed is for me to find other people. And it helped me a lot because I've been to countries where people are not privileged to meet the anointed ones. And so it's like they are doomed because they'll never see anybody anointed to, be, to have them lay their hands on. But once I got that revelation, now I could carry it all over the world. And I saw many people becoming so powerful in God without looking for somebody to lay hands on them, but just seeking God. And that had a very strong impact on me. All right. Two takeaways. The first one, just in case you missed it, he was angry. And he knew that if that anger that he had in his heart towards these people he didn't even know, if that anger stayed in his heart, he can forget about receiving anything from God. Forget about it. He knew that. And so he overcame his anger by expressing loving words that his feelings did not agree with. 
Sometimes you have to force your feelings to catch up with your actions. It's like, I want more of God and I cannot have more of God if I have anger in my heart. So let's deal with this right now. That's the first takeaway. Second takeaway. Something changed in my prayer life years ago when I would go to pray and I would think to myself, I believe I'm never going to be the same again by the time I walk out of this room. That was my attitude. Now, does that happen every time? I don't know. I can't see in the spirit, but that is my attitude. I'm never going to be the same again when I walk out of this room. And I can say over the last two and a half years, my entire walk with God has completely changed. And I believe that it has a lot to do with that attitude. Miracles happen at this church all the time. But part of the reason why it happens all the time is because we share testimonies all the time. Testimonies ignite faith for more miracles. And so um, a miracle happened a couple weeks ago, and I want to share it with you. Scott, why don't you come on down here? Um, This one happened, um, and I found out about it uh, later on in the day, which was really, really cool. So why don't you stand right here, center stage, Scott, and tell everybody what happened. Thank you, Pastor. June of 2010, I'd had an ear infection in my left ear. ENT says, don't worry about it, it'll run its course, come back in a week, and if it's not better, I'll give you medicine. Literally a week to the day later, I woke up on a Thursday morning, and I was stone deaf in my left ear. They call it sudden sensorineural hearing loss. And it was unbelievable vertigo and stone deaf. Over the next five years, I did injections through the eardrum, steroids in, five different doctors, All of these things, the vertigo got better, although I've dealt with persistent vertigo off and on for 10 years. And every doctor said, this is how it is. You're deaf. You're always going to be deaf. If you want to not be deaf, gut the whole ear out and put a cochlear in, because that's the only way you're ever going to hear through this ear again. And so with that background, I continue to pray, right? And pray, God heal, God heal, God heal. And a quick note on that, three years ago, I was in a healing service. And I was saying, God, please heal my ear. And God very lovingly and gently, but sternly corrected me. And he said, you're asking me to heal something that has become a part of your identity. And I was like, and he said, think about what you say. Everywhere you go, I'm deaf. I'm deaf in one ear. This is Scott's bad ear. This is, oh, you know, I can't hear on that side. It, it, It had become, it had become a part of my identity, this chronic thing. I owned it. And God's like, you're asking me to now heal you from something that you've embraced and accepted. And so I began a a three-year-long journey that ended two weeks ago of changing my confession, changing my confession, changing what I would say about this. I got prayed for here in December, and I started to get little little sounds, but that was it. It, it. It was it. Two weeks ago, standing right here, you called, you said, if anybody has... Partial or total deafness in the left ear. And I, I, I said out loud, yes, but louder than I meant to. And I mean, I'm, I'm getting down here, right? I've been here since December. And I'm like, if he ever says left ear, I'm going to trample over people to get to the front. Because I want to be healed. I don't know what it was like in the Bible. When they took the man that was lame 
from his mother's birth. He said, take up your bed and walk. And he got up leaping and running and jumping. And I don't know what it would be like for somebody blind to suddenly see. But I do know what it's like to be stone deaf in your ear. And to suddenly be able to hear somebody whispering in tongues in your ear. That's the power of our God. And I have to give that testimony. That is so brilliant. That is so brilliant. I've been waiting for that testimony. Would you stand up on your feet? Give the Lord a standing ovation, will you? You know, you know, as a, as a pastor in, in knowing what year we're in, 2020, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, I only get to talk to them one time a week. You know, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? And I know there are so many problems going on that need to be talked about. Divorces that are at an all-time high. Finances, people are losing their jobs more now than they have in decades. Uh, there's, there's just so many problems. And I keep going back to want to talk about miracles and talk about healing and talk about the presence of God and talk about how God wants to flow through you. Because I have this deep conviction that if the Holy Spirit is flowing through our life, everything else will be taken care of. Everything else will be taken care of. If I had more time, I'd quote a whole bunch of scriptures starting off with Matthew 6.33. But I don't have time. I'd like the prayer partners to come down if they would. All the prayer partners come down here. And let me say this. If you need a healing in your body, I want you to come down. Scott came down to a prayer partner that was standing right here. If you need a healing in your body, if there's another need that you have, if your life, if your heart is not right with God, then I want you to come down and I want you to pray with someone. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance be lifted up upon you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed in the name of the Lord.